Good evening, everyone. Welcome to a special, excited edition of GardenCityHSWrestling.com's podcast, Near Fall Backpoint, whatever you want to call it. I'm your host, Donald J. Brower, and we have an exciting week because we got some sort of clarification on what's going on for the season. Before we get to that, we got a great interview with Pat Glory coming up, a, a kid I've known since he was, I think, his first high school wrestling match uh, for Del Barton, and now he's down in, in Princeton and kind of what he's doing and everything we're going with. And we also have those rules, but I don't want to forget my sponsor, the man who makes it possible. And it's fitting that we'll talk with Pat Glory about this. It's fitting that this man is a sponsor, Dan Warnikoff from Champion Athletes, because he is nutrition as nutrition is. I mean, I'm a fat guy, so I didn't have to worry about losing weight to wrestle. However, I used to see my teammates running around in trash bags, trying to cut insane amounts of weight for the day. This is the easiest, safest, quickest way to do it. You don't feel hungry. You don't want to binge later on. Dan Warnikoff with Champion Athletes is the guy you want to talk to. He's a proven winner with not only Pat Glory, but other Del Barton wrestlers and other wrestlers throughout not only New Jersey, but the country who subscribe to his system. Let me tell you, he's the, he's the guy you want to go to. If you want that next little level and you wonder where those really good guys are getting that little edge, that's where you want to go. Um, we want to talk about the season a little bit. The one thing, we got the clarification. It came out Thursday. We are now moving to season three. What does that mean? Some of you might be asking. Season two, the way the year is broken up, it's not traditional fall, winter, spring seasons. It's one, two, three, four. And it's roughly month, month and a half each. So we would have started wrestling and practices here in where the Friday before Thanksgiving, we would have started in about two weeks, roughly. Uh, season would kicked off December 21st, where it ended the beginning of February, whatever postseason happens happens. They haven't clarified a postseason for the move to season three, but it makes it more likely because you're buying time. And that's kind of what you want to do. You want to buy time at this point, because the one thing you really don't want to have happen is you don't want to get there. If they stayed in season two, all of a sudden we get around Christmas, an outbreak at a school happens. Like, for example, the cancellation of yesterday's Hopacon versus Vernon game because of a COVID outbreak. Now you're kind of, you know, stuck and you don't have a way to get around it. This way we kind of buy a little time. If they say everything's going okay with the, with the vaccine, fine. If, if not, we have a way to work with it. So it's, a, it's just buying time at this point. Now, what that'll mean is March 1st, that's when wrestling will start practices. On March 16th, they'll kick off the season. It will end April 24th. Average season's about 12 weeks. It's a little bit half of that. And I know some people are complaining, well, oh, it only looks like a month. And if we had done it in season two, we would have longer. What people don't realize is the way everything's broken down Christmas and New Year's usually fall in there. So you're losing four days roughly each week anyway. So it really is not that much of a difference. And this also gives us a chance at possibly having a postseason. We'll see. I, I'm hoping we could do that though. The way I had brought up and I, um, the idea I had was if they want to do something, here's my idea. Instead of having an eight team team season, because there's a debate on do we have teams? Do we have individuals? Do we have anything? You're going to try to do both and appease people. Have your team tournament, do it by section, but there's going to be no groups. And essentially, you could do it the way they used to do in the short conference tournament. You have your four teams. For example, for this exercise, we use High Point as the number one seed. High Point will host the three other teams from the local area. They will then wrestle each other and then wrestle the other team for the final. You get a section area 
finals. It's not a traditional, but at least you have some sort of teams. Then, so if that happens on, say, a Monday or Tuesday, then you have that two weeks. Why not have your districts in one day that weekend on a Friday, say, for example? Then you can have your regions Sunday and Monday. Because realistically, you're bringing the three people down. You can combine them. There's no reason there should be a Wednesday, a Friday, and a Saturday this year. That's just going to be too much time, too many chances for contact tracing. And by keeping everything local, if there's an outbreak in one of them, you can rearrange and have stuff done so you're not going to cross-contaminate. Then you have your region champion. So say that following Monday. So within a week, you've had your championships. And then you can bring down, and I would go back just to this year, top three. That's limiting who's down there and where they're going. Now, when I say down there, obviously Atlantic City is going to be really tough because I'm not sure the schedule with the boardwalk hall as well as other things. Here's an idea. I know it's been approached and Coach Goodell mentioned it, and I've even talked to some other coaches who want to are interested in doing more outside wrestling. Why not have it outside of Rutgers that following weekend? Rutgers doesn't have any football games that I know of in the middle of, of March. Sure, weather might be an issue, but you go down there, and here's my idea. Everybody goes, well, what's going to be the difference? Have the outdoor mats, spread it out, and basically wrestle each day. So Thursday would be your 106 to 145. Get to the semifinals with your other matches. Then you get to the main the next day, 152 to heavyweight. Wrestle the semifinals. Then that Saturday, you can then have the semifinals, finals, and all your championship matches. Now, I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do with the girls tournament. I think there's going to be, they'll probably wind up having somewhere different that can be hosted out of Rutgers um, with their no regions really or districts you have to worry about. You might be able to space it in between, maybe do it the weekend before, maybe that Saturday in between my proposed districts and regions. You can have the girls regions and then the following Sunday, you can have their state tournament. I'm not sure how they would work that, but that would probably be uh, the best way you want to go with it just because you don't want to have everybody there at the same time, give them their information. Um, that's probably the best way. I'm not on the board. I have no say. There's no pull I have. I mean, I'm sure they look at my website because I've gotten calls about some stories I've written. But as far as actually having any say down there, I really don't think it is. And we're also assuming the NJSIA is going to run the state tournament. Her rumors, an outside organization might wind up coming in, possibly running something, whether that's USA Wrestling or another that's completely out of my realm. And, I, you know, we'd love to have some sort of ability because you want to have those kids have the ability to go out there and perform and win a championship or at least compete for something. I think it's it's an injustice if you're basically giving them 15 matches and all of a sudden it's, oh, okay, that's the end of your season. I understand football is different. Football is also judged in a different way. And you want to have the best wrestle the best. So I understand that. But – you never know. It's, 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 it's in flux. Just be happy we're having something. Hopefully everything will be cleared up. It won't be an issue. Maybe they give us a little extra time where everything is done correctly, but at least we bought time. The season is not canceled. They say as long as you have a chance, you still have a chance to compete. And that's what we have right now, a chance. So let's hope everything goes well and nothing else happens. Now, let's go to my interview with Pat Glory. He's like I said, Pat Glory, one of the, the nicest kids you can meet. Very always friendly to me. Would say, hey, Mr. Brower, or 
you know, if he sees my wife and I somewhere, he says hello. She's actually the reason he like she likes Del Barton wrestling because she just grew up in an area when Del Barton was kind of the smug group, and she met Pat, and he was super really nice, and she's like, now I like Del Barton. So, Coach Stoll, you should thank Glory for the fact that my wife now likes your team. But uh, we got a chance to talk with him. I know we we only told them we were going to talk to him for a few minutes, so uh, we went over that. But we'll see how everything goes. We taped this before we found out that about the announcement. So I talked to him a little bit about everything and kind of ideas and, and what he's been doing. So without any further ado, let's take it to Pat Glory. And now joining me on the podcast is a man uh, I've had the pleasure of covering for six, seven years now, we're, we're talking. Uh, a wrestler who um, I honestly, I, I was talking to my wife about this when I was talking about coming on here. A wrestler who I don't think gets the proper, and I, I, just not a pun, intended glory for his high school career. And just what an amazing career you've had and headed into Princeton. Patrick Glory, thank you for taking the time out and, and coming on here and talking for me for a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me, Don. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to get to talk to you tonight. Now, I know uh, we've talked a little bit about your career. And for some people who might not know, because uh, now the famous thing is everybody who's been a four-time this or four-time that, you were a four-time state finalist. And, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. And, obviously, one of our sponsors, uh, Dan Warnikoff from Champion Athletes, we talked – you made, made the final four years in a row – and you're talking about 45 seconds from going from a two-time champ to a four-time champ, if I'm correct. Just talk a little bit about, you know, your career and just kind of, you know, how Del Barton set you up to where you're at now and, and the great things you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was blessed throughout my life to have, you know, great coaches growing up. Um, you know, I had a laundry list of, of guys who I could, you know, give credit to. Um, they know who they are, but um, – yeah, I mean, you know, I was just, I had, uh, you know, a lot of exposure at a very young level, uh, a very young age to a very high level of wrestling. Um, and I think, you know, that that goes along with me, you know, living in New Jersey. I, you know, I got blessed to be in this, you know, living in a state where there was such an abundance and a volume of, of these, you know, high level guys, these guys that were all Americans in college that, you know, had division one technique and, 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 you know, everything goes along with that. Um, teaching me, you know, kind of giving, giving back to me what they were, you know, given um, by their coaches and stuff. So, um, you know, I think that's how Del Barton got into the mix um, was just by me, you know, going to clubs uh, at a young age. I think I met Guy Russo. I must've been in the third grade um and his son Anthony who who's my high school teammate uh he just graduated this past year from Del Barton um you know me and him were always um similar weights um so I think the first time we really ever linked up in terms of training together um was with Corey Cooperman mm -hmm. um at the old Iron Horse facility in Mendham New Jersey um it's I think it's abandoned now um but it was like a little shack um right next to the uh Black Horse Tavern uh, in Mendham, if you were, you know, from around that area. Oh, I know that place very well. Um, and, you know, it'd be 95 degrees in the summer times at 3 p.m. And, uh, you know, it was a group of probably 10 of us um, and Corey Cooperman. And they called us the Iron Ponies because we were the, uh, the small Iron Horse guys, uh, you know, so we weren't technically horses yet. Uh, <laughs> we were the Iron Ponies. Um, but, you know, we, we went at it. I mean, it was amazing. Corey Cooperman would lock the door and he would say, pick these guys up in two hours. And we would just scrap. It was me, Ryan Anderson, um, you know, 
Anthony Russo, Joe Casey, um, Gerard Angelo, um, Shane Metzler. I mean, you know, all these guys who were wrestling Division One now, um, you know, for the most part. Um, so it's pretty crazy to look back and think like that's how it all started. Um, but that was really my first exposure to Guy Russo. And then obviously, you know, as I got older and high school was starting, you know, to be right around the corner, um, you know, Guy was like, hey, you know, I know you're from Randolph. I know, you know, you've been thinking about going to Randolph your whole life. All your friends are going to Randolph. You've grown up, you know, wrestling in the Randolph Middle School and, you know, their program your whole life. Um, you know, would you want to apply to Del Barton? And, you know, I hadn't really thought about it up to the point that Guy had mentioned it to me. Um, but, you know, that's a great school. Ty Gacy, you know, was one of the top guys in the state. He won a state title the year before I got into high school, right around my weight. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of good things that happened at Del Barton. Um, that's not to say that, that, that Randolph didn't have great things going on as well. AJ Vindici was doing phenomenal. Um, he placed all four uh, – Three out of the four years, the one year didn't make it to states, which is a crazy story. That was a rough year. I crazy that year. story there. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was it was a tough decision to make. You know, I was leaving all my friends. Um, you know, Randolph High School is a great high school academically. Um, you know, and I, and these are the guys that I just grew up wrestling with my whole life. That that uh, you know, my, my boys, um, the guys who I you know didn't want to abandon. Um, so you know, I, I kind of was at a crossroads and. So I applied. My parents like, you know, apply and, and see, you know, if you get in. If you don't get in, then it's an easy decision. If you do, yeah. then you have a decision to make. Um, so I wound up getting into the school, and I, I just I decided it was too too good of an opportunity to pass up. Um, you know, kind of fought long and hard over it, but um, in the end, I thought it was the best decision for me. I got a little bit of stick from my my high school or uh, you know what what would be my high school teammates, um, my middle school Randolph guys. Um, but you know, in the end, they they understood I had to do what was best for me, um, and and the rest is kind of history. Now you were talking about how you kind of got introduced early on. Um, I know your freshman year, you were talking about a couple guys, uh, the MCT. We talked about something you had won before, four time MCT champion. That first year, uh, I know there was a it was a strange occurrence in the bracket with where the upper bracket had you, Shane Metzger, and uh, Gerard Angela. I think if, if I remember correctly, you and Angela met in the quarterfinals Saturday that very first that very first day. And it was always I, I just remember everybody's like, "Why are we doing this?" And actually, a funny story about that tournament. Um, I make my predictions, and it was so I make my predictions and I do everything. And I might have been walking around, I think it was during the first break, right after the quarterfinals. And I picked, I, I don't know if it was you or Angel, I picked to make the finals. And so I, I do that, and then I make the bottom bracket pick. And one of the coaches comes up to me and goes, wow, thank you very much. I was like, okay. And he's like, hey, I'm glad you had so much faith in my guys to make the final, to make a run. And I'm like, okay. So as I walk away, I was telling I was told, told somebody, and they're like, oh, your face, somebody has to make it in the bottom. Like, they're, they're going to get stacked up in the final. I said, like, you know, I kind of want to mix some stuff up. But I said, I didn't want to be like, hey, coach, listen, sorry, somebody's got to make it. So like, the bottom bracket has to have somebody come out of it. Yeah. But it was always just so funny because we'd always said, like, this is going to be the, this three-headed monster. It's going to pick everybody off. And then somebody's just going to be sitting there in the bottom. Like, I'm happy to play second. <laughs> there was no chance about it. But, you know, you, you, you had, like I so said, we had, you had a great run with, with the MCT. Also, you know, like I said, four-time finalists. You follow, wind up following what I like to call the Del Barton Princeton pipeline. I mean, you said Taya Gacy down there. You had uh, the, if I remember the both Grogan's went down there. Um, I know you were down there. Um, I think is uh, one of the Devosos is down there. 
Both, both yeah. of them actually. Joe. Both, Joe okay. I, I, I remember the. I remember his. The younger one went. I couldn't remember where the older one went, but I, I know. So there's there's a nice little pipeline, and you guys are kind of bringing that Del Barton style to a Princeton school. Talk about that kind of what you guys learned in that room, you know, in Whippany, and how it's kind of translated to a different style in college. Yeah. Um. You know. We, as a program, and again, this is progressively getting better, and it's crazy because um, of how, how not different, but how much, like, the program has progressed even since I've been there, um, Del Barton. Um, but we've always kind of viewed ourselves as, like, a D1 preparatory school, right? I mean, you, you look at the history. Um, every year we were sending multiple guys to Division One wrestling schools, um, you know, with, with aspirations to – to be an All-American and to be a national champ. Um, and so I think our training in the room in high school reflected that these guys, you know, really had high aspirations. These were guys that were, um, you know, serious wrestlers at, you know, from a super young age. Um, you know, I'm thinking Val Mealy, I'm thinking Nick Farrow, um, you know, the Anselmi's, obviously they're not D1, but, you know, Williams is no, you know, nothing to slap at, yeah. um, right? These guys had aspirations to wrestle after college. Um, and so I don't know if there's a lot of programs in the state that have, you know, full teams of guys that, you know, really have that same mentality of, okay, you know, we have goals, you know, that are higher than just high school. Um, and, you know, we got to train for that. Um, and by training for something bigger than high school, it almost doesn't put the, put it on this pedestal. It kind of makes it almost like human uh if that makes sense right it's not like this this big grandeur thing that's unachievable um it's just part of the process um so i think that you know that was what i learned from a super young age you know as a freshman um you know watching guys like nick farrow just you know do, do everything that a college guy's doing you know train that way um you know eat right again the dan wernikoff thing was huge i didn't really learn that until i was a junior right you know your, your nutrition is, is just as much a part of the sport as your technical abilities and building on, uh, you know, your actual on the mat skills. Um, you know, there's a whole nother animal to this sport. Um, so I think that just like, you know, all of these facets of the sport um, that you might not see at a typical high school, um, were you know, really at the forefront of our program. Um, and, and it really reflected in just, you know, how many guys we put on the podium, you know, down in AC and um, you know, how, how, you know, you see it now, these guys, are beating Bergen, they're, they're top 10 in the country program. And it's going to be, um, you know, only an upward trajectory from here. Now you, like you were saying with, with the team, you would start out and, and it sort of started picking up. I'd probably say about like 2010, 2011, where you guys are getting more individual success down there. And it kind of carried over you because, uh, you know, Joseph Johnson and, and those guys that came through like the Voso, and, you know, you went through, everything you did now you're seeing that the, the team's kind of going through with beating Bergen and, and being on that upper level team. Cause for the longest time, DeBart was always that they're good, but, and then it was kind of like, this was the year they kind of put everything together and your group was no slouch either. You guys had some, you know, really quality guys. So, you know, talk a little about, you said where you kind of took it seriously because we said in, 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 in an instance where like your freshman year, you face a guy you'd face, I think you faced Angela five times that year, six times. So that's kind of like, okay, you kind of, man, you know, something happens. It's always a fluke. Your, your sophomore year, that was the one that I think shocked a lot of people and myself because I was, I don't know, you weren't, you don't probably don't notice, but I was filming Matt's side. And I think you were up 5-1. And 
I think I heard the whistle and then you were taken down in like a second. And I looked at the reporter next to me because I was messing with my camera. I go, what happened? He goes, he got taken down. I was like, oh, I think he's, and then you told me you were a little bit with the energy. What did you work on to kind of transition? Because there was a moment there where, you know, you made the final two years, amazing accomplishment, but it's always the, oh, bridesmaid, never the bride type situation. What were those decisions that made it to kind of propel you not only for those two years, but into the great run you're having at Princeton? Yeah, I mean, um, weirdly enough, I think that the the distresses or the the kind of defeats that I had uh, early in my high school career almost propelled me to to continue to work um, and to just not be complacent. Like I I don't know what I you know where I would be right now if I had won those two first um, high school state championships. I I might not have won a state championship after that ever again, or you know have been an all American or you know done anything that I've done in college at all. Um, I think it almost gave me the kick in the butt to say, okay, what you're doing is not enough. You need to, you know, work overtime and, and do, you know, almost twice as much as everybody else. Um, you know, freshman year, uh, you know, I, I wish I could go back and wrestle that one, you know, 10 times over. I, I, I would be interested to see how it goes. Me and Gerard went back and forth, you know, a bunch of times that year. I think we wrestled nine times. Was, um, I knew it was a high number when you guys wrestled because I, I think it was – MCT, you'd done it. I, I know there was a couple dual meets. I think it was regions that might have been regions, districts as well. And regions, yeah. Um, so we wrestled in the preseason at the Iron Horse Invitational. This is before freshman year even started. Um, we wrestled twice at the Beast. He beat me for third, fourth, and I beat him in the quarterfinals. Or no, pre-quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. um, we wrestled counties, districts, regions, and states. Um, and then after that, we actually wrestled the pop and flow duels after the uh, after that fact. Um, so just, um, you know, again, when you wrestle a guy like that that many times, um, game, game plans are a must. He game planned. I didn't. Um, and, you know, they stuck to their guns and, and they had a great, great plan going to that state final and, you know, really shut down my offense um, and everything that I was trying to do going into that. Um, Sophomore year was, you know, complete and utter opposite. You know, I'm, and I was in the driver's seat for the majority of that match. Um, and just slowly faded. I, I actually don't remember much of that match to, at all. Uh, I kind of, you know, it's weird that, you know, you, you hear the word blackout. I, I really just blacked out. Uh, I don't know if it was because of the nerves. I don't know, you know, what it was. Mentally, I was just out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you could see at the end, uh, you know, Stoll had to pick me up off the mat and kind of walk me off. I was just, um, I wasn't myself. Um, and it was just a very, very a uh, big wake-up call for me. You know, I, I uh, had a great year. I think I was maybe like one or, you know, one loss going into, the, you know, the state tournament. Yeah, I think, I think um, you, yeah, I think it was because you, you were the heavy favorite if I remember going in. And like, you you jumped up to the early, I think it was 5-1 at the end of two and you were just like into it and you just were taking him out and you're like, well, okay, cool, he's going to roll. And then it just seemed like that when it, the second period started and they were deciding, you just, it was weird because you, you, you started, I looked at the one report and I said, She's a little off, and then she, and they go, "What do you mean?" I go, "I don't know." I say, "Just he's not like you used to have like a certain way, like you." I don't want to say the Pat Glory way, but you just when you went out for a match, you kind of knew, and it was like it, it wasn't the same. And I was just like, "So when you lost, and I kind of saw it, and I was like, huh. So when you say that now, I kind of kind of understand it. Almost like it was weird. It's almost like an out of I don't want to say out of body experience. That's not what I mean. But yeah, it was almost like seeing it like that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, and and. One of the you know main things that I recognized was a huge flaw for me, and one of the things that limited me throughout that sophomore year was my nutrition. Um, I was 
cutting a lot of weight. I actually don't think I've gained much weight since my sophomore year of high school. I was hovering right around 130, um, trying to get down to 113. Um, and I just did it in, you know, the worst way possible, not eating, not drinking water, um, you know, barely getting through a workout and losing two pounds, trying to sit in a sauna and get the weight off. Um, just, just not what you're supposed to be doing at all. And, you know, I've just kind of blatantly disregarded what, you know, people around me were saying, you know, you should do it this way. You should be drinking a lot of water and, you know, working out multiple times a day. I was just super lazy about it. Um, and it caught up to me and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, again, it was a huge wake up call for me to realize, okay, you know, I had to do everything right. I can't, you know, excuse my language, but half-ass, um, any fast. Oh, we can swear on this podcast. You're good. <laughs> um, right. But, uh, you know, I thought I could get away with it. And, you know, I, I learned pretty harshly that you can't, you got to do everything right if you want to be the best. Um, and again, like, I, I don't really know if I would be here at all talking to you right now um, if it weren't for those two losses, um, because, you know, it almost gave me that little bit of hunger, that little bit of, uh, you know, kicking the butt to be like, okay, you know, this is, this is, it's, it's time. I'm, I'm, I'm done losing. And again, I've, I think we've talked about this uh, maybe after the MCT or in um, another interview, but I had never won a state title going into high school at all. Mm-hmm. I think I'd taken second, third, uh, three different times and placed two other times. I, you know, I placed five times in the state tournament in middle school, never won. Um, and then, you know, coming into high school, you get, you know, a state second. Okay. You know, another state second. Oh, wow. That's five state seconds that this kid's taken. Right. So in the back of my mind, I'm, you know, maybe no one else is thinking about this, but I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to name any names here, but like, I'm thinking like Gary Dinmore, like somebody who like, you know, people who's that, there. Guy, that guy got robbed. That guy, yeah. you know, he should have won a state title and he never did. And he took second, you know, four or three or four times. I, you know, yeah. I, 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 I sat there after my sophomore year. And I was thinking to myself, I, I will not be that guy. That's, that is not going to be my legacy. Um, I got to really just just turn turn up the volume um, and turn it up to 11. So just worked really hard with, you know, my coaches, with Coach Buxton, with Stoll, with Guy. Um, you know, did everything right, lifted really heavily, did a, you know, really, really good preseason training regimen, um, getting, you know, my lung capacity up, just, just working on every facet and just kind of, tweaking everything, tweaking all the little things that, you know, the tangibles that I can fix. Um, now you wound up coming in that next year, obviously you turned on, you know, you turned a switch coming into your junior senior year. It was obvious, you know, when you started, the, the one thing was, and I, I don't even know if you know this was from that year on the legacy you left, because I've talked to, uh, when I did my interviews last year uh, with Clark before, you know, his senior year, he told me the one guy who let me know I was ready to go and showed me how to be here and do this was Pat Glory. He basically showed me in the room how to be a leader and pass it on and be that guy. So talk about that, like, you know, taking that leadership role, not only in, in high school, but now in college where you got people looking up to you and leading that room. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always wanted to be a leader. I've always wanted to be the guy that, um, you know, was almost like the face of the program, um, you know, someone who guys look up to, someone who leads by example. Um, you know, I, am a very vocal person. If you see me, you know, at dual meets, you'll see me, you know, screaming for my, my teammates matches, you know, whether or not oh, they know, um, but I, I like to get into it. It almost, you know, and, and the, the opponent hears it too. 
a little bit, you know, it's, it's almost, it's just like, it's a, it's a little bit of a mind game that you can play just by being on the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to be the guy that, um, you know, helps motivate the team to, to, to do, you know, bigger and better things. Um, and so AC, you know, coming in as a, you know, a freshman at my junior year, um, you know, I knew how good he was, you know, I, again, I grew up with him. I, you know, was around him. He was, you know, youth stud, you know, in every sense of the word. So I was super excited to get, you know, to get him in the room and, you know, to start working with him. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't baby him, you know, he came in the room and, and we would scrap and I would, I would lay it on him just like the guys, you know, who were juniors and seniors when I was a freshman did to me. It's just, it's a ritual, right? Of just, you take your lumps and you learn from it and, you know, you get better because of it, right? You get tougher, um, you get meaner, you get, you know, more, you know, more mature because of it. Um, so I think AC, you know, kind of realized that. And then again, the guys that were juniors and seniors my year were got, right? So those leaders who, you know, who were there when I came in, non-existent anymore. I had to kind of, you know, pick up their role. Um, and, and, you know, our class was amazing. You know, if you, had, if you know any of the guys that were part of my graduating class, oh, yeah. born, you guys had a really good, a lot of really good leaders. Um, you know, Trey Zombic, um, Travis Tavoso for one, um, you know, Anthony Syracuse, Cole Crash Payne, mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody in my class, I think, you know, contributed to the leadership um, of that, of that wrestling team um, in a lot of different ways. But, you know, AC, AC, he wanted it, you know, and, and you could tell from, you know, coming in, he, he, he didn't want to waste any time. He, he wanted to figure out how to be the best um, early. And I, I'm, I forget how he did at the Beast. Uh, I want to say he placed. I just, I'm, I forget how high. Um, I, I want to say he, he, I want to say he was top three or four that year. Yeah, I think he, was, he, he was high. He, he wasn't, he, I don't think he made the final, but he was pretty, he was pretty high. Right. So like, again, that, like I kind of saw myself in him a little bit from that first tournament where he didn't win. It wasn't like he was reaping in the, uh, you know, all the treasures off, the, you know, right away. But, it, you know, he, it showed him that he was right there with these guys. And it gave him a little bit of uh, motivation. Like, okay, you know, it's time to, time to work. Um, and, and, again, I, you know, the fact that he's down with me at Princeton now is, is awesome because it's kind of like back to square run. Like, you mm -hmm. know, for me, transitioning from high school to college, you're like, I was the guy. My senior year of, of high school, you know, poster boy from New Jersey wrestling, um, you, know, you know, coming off two undefeated high school seasons, um, and then you're a nobody again, mm -hmm. right? So you got to just completely flip the switch and, you know, let your, you know, leave your ego at the door, so to speak, um, and just, just get on your workhorse. Um, and so again, we're in a really weird time right now. Um, we don't have Princeton's facilities, you know, at our disposal. We, we don't have a lifting coach. We don't even have a trainer. Um, we've been wrestling out of a, a wrestling club. Um, down in Hillsborough, which, you know, again, Rodney Van Ness, shout out to you, um, and Rhino Wrestling Club for, for letting us uh, at the NGRTC train out of your place. Because well, we, I was going to ask you about that. What, how are you guys getting everything going? Because, I mean, obviously with the restrictions and the governor making everything now no more than 10 people and you guys being, you know, a competitive, you know, college program, how are you guys getting it ready? Because nobody knows what's going on and how – you guys aren't going to sit there, you know, I know you wrestled this past week and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I know you guys aren't sitting there, you know, popping Cheetos, watching The View, uh, wondering what's going on. You guys are going to stay in shape. How do you, what, what have you guys been doing? Yeah, I mean, it's been very uh, individualized. Um, so there's probably 
20, you know, 20 to 25 uh, of my teammates that are living off campus in Princeton. Princeton has nobody living on campus except for a few international exceptions. Um, no, no in-person classes, all online. Um, and so, you know, once we found out, you know, maybe end of, end of August, maybe middle of August that we weren't going to be on campus at all, um, you know, our coaches were like, okay, we got to figure out a way to at least get you guys on campus. They didn't even have a, a training, you know, regimen or anything really locked down yet. It was just kind of like, we'll figure it out, but just get a place. Um, so I know a lot of my teammates were a little skeptical because they were like, well, what if there's no training situation at all? And we're, you know, paying all this money to live off campus for no reason. Yeah. Um, and Princeton was great. They actually wound up um, funding uh, if you're enrolled in school, which I'm not. Uh, anyone who's enrolled in school gets um, funding to live off campus if they want to get out of the house and just, you know, be a student. Get away so, from the parents for a little bit. I know how to Exactly. 18 to 22, um, get away. <laughs> right, right. Um, so there's probably 20, 20, 25 of us um, living off campus in Princeton. And um, so uh, Rodney Van Ness, Shane Van Ness's dad, owns a club in Hillsborough, which is 19 minutes from my apartment in Princeton. Um, so not too, too far, 25 mm -hmm. minutes max um, for some of the guys that live, you know, further inward in Princeton. Um, and the NJRTCs, which just, we, we've been training out of there every morning, um, five days a week. Um, you know, we have a 7.30 option for the guys that have a, like a, you know, 10 or 11 a.m. class. And then there's a 9 a.m. option for guys like me who don't have classes. Um, but, you know, Reese Humphreys, he's been great. You know, we've, we've, we had a 10-week training schedule leading up to the U23 and the Junior Nationals. We've had guys like Matt Kaladzic competing in, um, you know, Hawkeye Open Showcase, for example. And Nate Jackson wrestled in, the, you know, the Open a couple weeks back. Um, and he wrestled in that 195-pound bracket, took third. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that we got guys competing. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, at least it's not stagnant anymore. At least there's something going on, right? There's a little bit of progression um, slowly but surely. And again, we, you know, we've been super careful. Um, in terms of the precautions, um, COVID-wise, um, we you know we get tested every every couple of days. Um, we get you know you know every time we come into practice, we get shot with the with the gun just to make sure we don't have a fever. Um, we have you know daily screenings, um, you know to check symptoms and everything. Um, we actually we haven't really had any any problems. Um, so I mean it, you know we've been blessed in that sense to you know because again one one person could ruin that whole operation um so you know we've just been very very meticulous and careful about you know every little facet of of our training training regimen um but it's it's been great i mean um uh, i don't think we had a great weekend this past weekend uh, as an rtc and again you know we said we'll talk about that later but um the fact that we were able, even able to compete was was a blessing yeah i, I know you're saying with the with the temperature checks i you know, I do the pro wrestling shows. I had something uh, a couple weeks ago in North Carolina. And we, I had to stand at the door and check and make sure everything was good. And, you know, you get some people who are like, I'm not wearing a mask. You're against my constitutional rights. I was like, no. <laughs> like, listen, you know, put on a mask for 10 seconds. You know, like. Get away from me. Like, just go sit there. Like, you know, don't hack on people. Like, come on. Do if, if the one thing we've learned from this virus is wash your hands. Like, are we not, like, a kindergartner? Wash your hands thoroughly. It's not that complicated. Don't cough on people. Like, right. These are not something, it's not like, you know, we're not learning chemistry or biology or anything. It's simple stuff. Right. Um, we were talking, you were talking about, you were just saying, uh, this piss. we could talk a little bit about 
what you guys did. I know, um, like you said, didn't uh, wind up where you wanted. And I, I know um, I follow a lot of the uh, Jersey wrestling forums and there was a big hubbub about one of your matches and the tie breaking. And so I, I just remember you were, you were, there was a lot of, a lot of threads about that. Just kind of how you felt you did and just kind of where you feel you're at heading, you know, heading into somewhat of a season if, if there is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, the, t- the 10 week training schedule that we had coming into this, uh, this tournament was great. Uh, I was feeling amazing coming in. I was wrestling really well. I was moving my feet. I was getting to my attacks um, I was moving guys. I was, you know, setting up guys in, in a bunch of different ways, you know, very versatile offense with switching it up. You know, again, one of the you know things that I've learned and pretty harshly about college is um, you have to continuously be, um, you know, fixing your technique and, and just constantly be evolving. Because if you just do the same exact thing every year to year, you know, people will watch film and they'll shut you down. Right. So, uh, you know, I had gotten a new set of offense that I thought, you know, was really working for me. Um, was a variation of the, some of the stuff that I was doing. You know, again, I don't abandon completely the stuff that I, you know, I'm good at, but mm-hmm. just keep, you know, continue to add stuff. So I was feeling really good coming in. Um, you know, wrestled this kid from I think he was Iowa State, um, Atisuov. I think his name is. He wound up winning yeah. the tournament, um, and and I just you know I just couldn't set him up. I couldn't get to his legs. I was you know straight on. wasn't you know moving laterally. wasn't really creating any angles. Um, and you know, winds up six six with thirty seconds left, and I'm I'm you know, on my on the barn burner, right? I'm I you know I gotta I gotta get on my horse and try to score. Um, so you know, I put that on me. That's uh, that's just a little bit of um, lazy wrestling, I think. Um, I think it's a little bit of um, just me not being mature in freestyle, um, and being able to control a match like I normally would in folk style. Um, but again, it's 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 good. You know, there was no stress about this tournament. Um, no one's going to remember that I took fourth in the, U, you know, U23s during COVID. Um, I just, I wanted to see how I matched up in freestyle. You know, I hadn't competed since the IWA tournament back in, in early March of this year. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I was kind of nipping at the budgets to get out there. Um, you know, that nervous cool. energy. I know. Trust me. I've seen it. I, I, I saw, I, um, I was, when I was talking about that wrestling show, happened to be the same weekend in North Carolina that the super 32 was in Myrtle Beach. So I was flying home with a bunch of wrestlers and uh, just, you could see it. And my wife liked to call it, uh, she wasn't with me, but my wife liked to call it the uh, Cauliflower Ear Convention when we were in Atlantic City. So that's all it was. I told my wife, I said, you should have came with me. She's like, why? I went home that Monday. I said, all you saw was, I said, there was a tournament this weekend. She goes, how do you know? But all I see is guys with cauliflower ears walking through, checking their bag. So it was like all that nervous energy. So I know exactly what you're talking about with getting everything done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I wish I could go back and, and just leave it all on the mat. That's the kind of one of the one regret I had about this weekend was I felt like I had more in the tank. Um, you know, and I felt like I almost was thinking about how I felt a little bit, you know, my body was hurting. I wrestled seven matches. This is more specifically towards the third, fourth match. Um, you know, I, that was, I just wrestled six matches in two days. My body's hurting. My neck's hurting. My lower back's hurting. Everything's hurting. But again, I'm, I'm, I made excuses for myself. Um, and you know, if there's one thing that I could go back and and change, it'd be just just you got one more match, man. Just leave it all out there. I I, I didn't get started quick enough. Um, kind of you know sat back a little bit, waited for guys to kind of come at me, which is not my style. I, I'm more of a go 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 for a whole six minutes or seven minutes if it's folk style. Um, and I, you know that just wasn't my style of wrestling this weekend. So I mean, my coaches knew it, but again, you know, 
it's good that we have stuff to work on and we got film to watch. So what's next for you? I know you got some stuff coming up, just kind of, you know, what do you got? Come, what, what, what's next on the line for Pat Glory, you know, this year, I know, obviously um, the, with everything you're saying, you was not being in school and I was everything getting canceled for, you know, Princeton Ivy league kind of canceling their season. What can we kind of expect from you going forward? Yeah. So uh, again, like you said, Ivy league canceled all winter sports. Um, so the guys that are enrolled now are kind of like, what do we do now? Um, luckily they, they announced it before this semester is over. So, you know, and I'm crossing my fingers and knocking on wood that this is the case that we're back to normal next year. Um, I think what a lot of guys are going to want to doing is taking from the spring semester coming up until the next spring semester. So taking this, this semester and then the fall semester of next year off coming back in the spring of next year um, and being able to wrestle 95% of the year. Um, mm -hmm. Because the only thing you really miss is like the Midlands, the Princeton open and maybe two dual meets. Yeah. Um, you know, and they can still wrestle in the open tournaments unattached, right? Um, so I think that's a lot, at least like what our starters that are enrolled in school, I think there's, there's only a couple, um, like Marshall Keller, for example. I know he's working on getting his paperwork to, to take a leave of absence from the spring to the spring. Because mm -hmm. at, at Princeton, you, obviously there's no red shirts. Um, so you have to take a leave of absence from school. So, you know, completely take yourself out of classes. Um, it could be for whatever reason you want, you know, it could be for mental health, it could be for family, whatever it may be that, you know, you just have to apply. Um, and it has to be two semesters in a row. Um, oh, so you can't just do like the spring and come back in the fall. It has to be okay. So it's a full unless you're a senior. So Matt Kalazic was able to do that because he's a senior, and they're a little bit more lenient with um, independent work because as a senior you have to write a, a thesis. Um, so if you know you need a semester off just because you're too stressed about this thesis and you need a little bit of time off, you know they're they're more willing to do that for guys that are older. Um, but like, you know, for us, for example, guys that haven't started independent work at all, they're, they're pretty adamant about guys doing a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, so for, for uh, competition wise, what's next for me? Um, and again, I don't, after this weekend, the way I wrestled, I don't know if I'm still going to have this offer. Um, but Reese Humphreys had mentioned something about um, these RTC duels that I think Flo is, is putting on in December. Mm -hmm. um, so the NJRTC, I think, is, is teaming up with uh, the SERTC, which is Virginia Tech's uh, regional training center, and I think Lehigh, the, the LVAC, um, to create a team. Um, and again, I think there's going to be Cockeye Wrestling Club. I think Nittany Lion Wrestling Club is considering it. Um, you know, Cyclone RTC, um, you know, Sunkiss Kids will be there. You know, so some really, really high-end um, RTC programs. They, they, it's just a weekend of just duels. With RTCs, uh, the winner gets fifty fifty grand uh, fifty thousand dollars, I think. Um, Can which, I wrestle? I mean, I'm not that good. Yeah, yeah. Fifty grand, yeah, I'll give it a absolutely. shot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to take any of that money being uh, an NCAA athlete, but it's still. I agree. No, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. We wouldn't, uh, you know, no, 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 no. no. We, I'm not promoting anybody getting any money for being an NCAA athlete. No. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I, again, I, I didn't really know what came next until this weekend when Reese had mentioned that. So I'm glad that, you know, there at least there's something on the docket. Um, and then the last chance qualifier, I'm going to try to see if I can squeak my way into the world team trials, or the Olympic team trials rather, um, and try to make an Olympic team. It's going to be tough. I mean, there's a lot of really good guys um, that, you know, I've been training for years for this opportunity. So I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing how I stack up, um, you know, nothing to lose. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, there's a like, shot. You're young. Go. Yeah. What's the worst thing you say? You're going to represent your country? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Give it, you give it a shot. You never know. If you, 
The only shots you miss are the ones you don't take. Exactly. Exactly. So my coaches are kind of, you know, they've been pushing me to do that as well. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there's, there's stuff, there's stuff, you know, in the future um, to look forward to. So um, I'm excited. Well, thank you for taking some time to, to talk to me. I, I said this before. I don't know. I don't know how well you listen to the podcast. I talked about this last year and we did, and we did a Mount Rushmore and I had put you up there with Del Barton because just your career and, and the influence you've had, not only on uh, Anthony Clark, but everybody else. And, and just one of the nicest interviews. And on a side note, the only reason my wife actually likes Del Barton because she said to me, she, she grew up in Roxbury and to back then Del Barton were the hockey kids and the, the real stuck up preppy kids and she didn't like them. And she said hello to you and talked to you at one of the matches when we were doing an interview. And she goes, he's a nice kid. Maybe Del Barton's not that bad. So maybe my kid might be in Del Barton in the future now. You never know. So, I love it. I'm glad that I could, uh, I could change the perspective. Uh, she loved it. She was, she, you know, like I said, you've always been super nice. You're, you know, um, you've always been there for a quote. And you know, like I was talking to your co uh, coach Stoll before, he said, you know, he's always good for a quote. And you've always been nice to me. Your family's always been nice to me. So thank you for taking the time. Please tell him I said hello. And good luck and in, in the best going forward. Absolutely. Thank you, Don. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Huge thank you to Pat Glory for taking the time. Uh, we, we only told him we needed him for 10 minutes, and we went on pretty long there. So uh, thank you. Always a great interview. And one of my favorite wrestlers, somebody who always I can tell is in the building when I walk in and I hear, hey, Mr. Brower, how's it going? And I kind of be like, eh, you have to call me Mr. Brower. I'm like, <laughs> you know, longer in high school. But uh, thank you, Pat, for taking the time. Um, I want to wrap stuff wrap this up with just kind of my message um, to you guys. Just don't stress. Please understand what's going on with everything. Keep your eyes open. Go out there. Live your lives. Wash your hands. Don't sneeze on people. Wear a mask. I hate wearing a mask, but I have a 93-year-old grandmother I take care of, so I do it as a precaution. It doesn't hurt anybody for a few minutes to put it on. I understand what other people are going to say, but just understand you have to think of some others right now i wish everybody the best i don't want anybody to get hurt i want everybody to be able to be there enjoy the wrestling season tell me how many how many times my rankings suck or i don't know what i'm talking about but i i'm hoping we get to see those days soon um you know i just want to get everything rolling with what we're doing for the season I'm also, if you notice, I'm trying not to say um a lot. Apparently, last podcast, my wife said I say um a lot. So try not to sound stupid by saying um, um. But I just want everybody to, <laughs> sorry about, that was a little rant. I went off on a rail there for a minute. So I just want everybody to be safe and enjoy themselves and, and not have anything happen and not have any, you know, regrets down the line. Everybody stay safe and for Jared, my, my podcast in Genius, the legend, uh, just talking about, you know, everything going on. Please stay safe, and we're, we're going to try to do these weekly, and hopefully we're going to get some good news here before the next one, and we're going to be able to keep going, and we're going to have a season, and there's going to be something, in, you know, in the works. But until then, for GardenStateHSWrestling.com, near fall, back points, whatever, I'm Donald J. Brower. I'll talk to you later.